You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning to you all. Uh, For you students returning from Christmas break or families coming back from a last-minute getaway, welcome back, or hope more appropriately, welcome home to to all of you. If you have your copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, would you turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. The Gospel of Mark, your copy of God's Word, or maybe your smartphone, your device you have with you. If you have neither Bible or a smart device with you, I'm sure you have a very nice neighbor. They'll be glad to share and seated next to you as well. Mark chapter 14 is where we are. It's almost the very end of the Gospel of Mark. Mark just has 16 chapters in it, so it's kind of toward the very end of the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to begin in verse 66, which is the very end, actually, of, of Mark chapter 14, or toward the very end of Mark chapter 14. We're going to read uh, beginning of 66 and go all the way to the end of the, of the chapter. So Mark chapter 14, we begin a new series today called Loudmouth as we look into the life of of Peter, the disciple, Peter the apostle, and perhaps find ourselves there as well. Mark chapter 14, verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself next to a fire, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But Peter denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders this time, this man is one of them. But again, he he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. For he began to invoke now a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Keep your Bible open. We're going to be in a couple of different places in Mark chapter 14 today. For you note takers, here's kind of where we're headed today. Here's where we're going. You can write this down. We are probably too often ignorant of our own weaknesses and self-reliances. If that feels heavy, you may want to get on social media and goof around for the next 30 minutes, or you're welcome to leave if you'd like to. That doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Or fall asleep. If you haven't slept much this weekend, just sleep right through this. If this sounds a little heavy, we're probably too often ignorant of our own weaknesses, too often ignorant of our own self-reliances. It's like we no longer have any proper sense of our inadequacy. I think too many of us got participation trophies maybe in in childhood. We just think we're all great at everything we do. And when you see it, you often see this in in the writing of, of resumes. When you write out your resume, we try to let everybody know on our resume that we are virtually flawless in everything that we do. That we are absolutely wonderful. And even the things we did badly, we did badly wonderfully. Like we're just, we're really good at even being bad. Like that's, that's kind of where we are today. We're, we're so often ignorant of our own weaknesses and our own self-reliances. And Peter had this type of audacity to him. And audacity can go two different ways, can't it? It can lead to, to courage and, and high productivity. But it also easily, oh so easily, can, can lead us into this self-reliance or even into arrogance and pride. 
So we're gonna be around our loudmouth friend Peter today and in the weeks to come. We're gonna learn a very, very profound lesson today in the danger of, of self-reliance or the danger, if you will, of confidence in self, confidence in our own flesh. You know, scripture shows us time and time again that, that men and women alike, we're weak, we're fallen, we're, we're corrupt, we're so prone to sin. And even when we believe upon Christ and we're made new, we're given a new nature and, and we have now new desires and new longings and new affections, uh, even in that we still have to fight the dailiness of this flesh that we're still wrapped up in. Daily, everyone in this house, we're having to fight against temptations of our own flesh. So Christians who have a, a right view of our own nature understand that we do live in a very dangerous place, but I'm not talking about the world around us. I'm not talking about the culture around us, but we ourselves, we are probably the greatest danger to ourselves. And Christian, this is our spiritual struggle that all of us in this house, we, we have. We cannot trust ourselves. We cannot trust our own flesh. It's actually a good thing to have a healthy distrust of yourself because all of us in this house, we know what we're capable of thinking and capable of doing. To fail to distrust yourself is to put yourself in a very dangerous place spiritually. And this is exactly the experience we see today of Peter. He learned a bitter lesson in self-confidence. And this morning, you may not have been ready for this, but we're gonna learn this same lesson ourselves. The story here is in verse 66 through 72 of Mark chapter 14. It's very brief, but these three denials actually take place over the course of two hours. It seems like it was very quick here in Mark's writing of it, but we can get to the gospel of Luke and he writes about the denial of Jesus by Peter. He says it's actually about a two hour period. It's the same two hours that Jesus is on trial illegally inside of the house of Caiaphas, just a few yards away from the courtyard where Peter is. In fact, that's what's happening. If your Bible's still open in verses 53 to, to verse 65, Jesus is in Caiaphas's house. Caiaphas is the, the, the high priest. And while he was in Caiaphas's house, we see this in verse, verse 65, if your Bible's still open there, chapter 14, verse 65. And some began to spit on Jesus and to cover his face or to blindfold him. They began to strike him, saying to him while blindfolded, while punching him, prophesy. And the guards who received him, they received him with, with blows. They were striking him and punching him as well. Jesus was likely placed that evening in a, in a holding cell under Caiaphas' house. By the way, archaeologists found that holding cell under the house of Caiaphas a couple of decades ago. You can go there. You can actually see this place. So Jesus was on trial for two hours there in the house of Caiaphas, probably somewhere between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. And that runs in the same window then of Peter's denials. They run in that same time frame from 1 a.m. To, to 3 a.m. So the first accusation that happens here in verse 67 probably was a shock to Peter. And so he kind of fumbles over his words. But the next two denials in verse 70 and verse 71 were definitely premeditated responses. This is what Peter made the decision that he was going to say, what he was going to do. So why is Peter then in the courtyard? See this in verse 66? He's in the courtyard right outside of the house of Caiaphas. I believe he's probably driven there by a love for the Lord. He, he, he had followed Jesus over from the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember the night before, that very night, Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
He was arrested. He came down the Kidron Valley, came back up about halfway through Jerusalem where the house of Caiaphas is. But he was always traveling at a distance. I think this is kind of important to the story. Go back into the passage. Look at verse 54. We did not read that earlier, but look at Mark chapter 14, verse, 30, uh, 14, verse 54. It's kind of interesting. And Peter had followed him, followed Jesus at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. I, I think he is, he is driven by a desire to be faithful to the Lord. In fact, he goes right up just a few feet away from Caiaphas' house by a desire to be, to be faithful. And before we criticize him today for his collapse, we need to first commend him for his courage. Because where are the other disciples? They're hiding. They're nowhere nearby at all. But Peter simply was not aware of his own vulnerability. He was not self-aware of his own weakness. You know, the, the, the best of men are still men at best. So Peter follows at a distance. He lets everyone go into Caiaphas' house. He lets Jesus get into Caiaphas' house. He lets the elders go in, the teachers of the law go in, the Sanhedrin go in, and then he shows up. I mean, Peter was there to find out the end of this thing. Where was all of this going? What was going to happen to Jesus? Were they going, what were they going to do with him? In fact, Matthew and Luke, as they write this story, they also said that Peter followed from afar. He was keeping his distance. What he was doing is he was living in the tension of faith and fear, of, of loyalty and anxiety. He was living right there in that tension of courage and cowardice. And that actually should sound familiar to all of our hearts here today. Because we often live also right in that tension of faith and fear. Jesus, I want to be loyal, but I'm also anxious in being a Christian. I want to be courageous, but there are so many days I'm just a coward. So we see this in verse 66 and 67. I hope your Bible's still open. As Peter was below in the courtyard, we've already determined where that is. One of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. <laughs> this isn't a big Roman guard. This is not a bouncer. It's not a linebacker. It was a little girl. At that, it was a little servant girl. And isn't it interesting, she did not give an allegation, she just made an observation. She simply said, you also were with Jesus. And Peter responds so foolishly. Basically, he responds, I don't understand the simple sentence you just said. He basically said, I have no idea what language you're speaking. I don't know what, what you mean. He, some people actually think he was trying to convince her that he, he was so mentally and cognitively deficient that he could not even understand the words that she was saying. I mean, how many ways can you interpret you were with Jesus? And Peter goes, I have no idea what those words mean. Verse 69, the same girl says, this man is one of them. Verse 70, Peter again denies it. And then Mark writes, after a little while. Now Luke will tell us that little while was actually an hour. An hour goes by. Now the crowd starts speaking up, verse 70. Certainly you are one of them. You're a Galilean. Now we know from the gospel writer Luke that they knew that because of the dialect or the accent that he had. 
right? So they understood he was Galilean because he spoke like a Galilean. Anybody here from Georgia or Alabama, you don't have to tell us you're from Georgia and Alabama. All you have to do is just talk for a sentence or two. Like, oh, you're not from around these parts. You're definitely from that part of, of, of the U.S. That's exactly what was happening here. They could hear by his accent that he was a Galilean. And then we read here in verse 71 that Peter invoked a curse on himself. What does that mean? I think I grew up, I'm not sure anybody told me this, I just thought this. I thought it meant that Peter started cussing. And he was so mad that he just started using this profanity. This is not what's actually happening here. He is pronouncing a curse on himself if he's lying. What he is saying is, may I die if what I say right now is, is false. People do the exact same thing today when they're trying to convince you that they're actually telling the truth. They say things like, I promise you I'm telling you the truth. I swear to you I'm telling the truth. I swear on a stack of Bibles that I'm not lying. And the more likely they're lying, the more things they pile up on which they're willing to swear. I mean, it's 2024, just get ready for it. We're gonna hear it all year long this year from politicians. Oh, I promise you this. I, oh, I swear on this. Listen to you. I'm being honest this time. That's exactly what's happening. Peter is saying, if, if I'm lying, I'm dying. If, if, if I'm not telling the truth, may God curse me and strike me down right now. Oh, here's what's heavy, Highland. We are our words. And Peter says right here, you can just kill me. I am not telling a lie. What disloyalty right here, even in the middle of this audacity. He has a threefold opportunity to honor Jesus, his Lord, but chooses not to honor Jesus. Instead, he opens his mouth loudly to dishonor him. In fact, verse 71 always gives me the chills when Peter says out loud, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Peter won't even say his name. I don't even know this person that you're talking about. Immediately, verse 72, Mark's favorite word, by the way, immediately. The rooster crowed a second time. And all that the Lord had told Peter came to pass. The Lord didn't make this happen. The Lord knew it would happen. And it happened because Peter wasn't prepared. He had this brash overconfidence to himself, this foolish confidence in himself that eventually was gonna lead to this failure of a story. Remember, Peter had promised, I will never deny Jesus. I want you to see this in your Bible. Go back to Mark chapter 14, same chapter. Go back to verse 29. This is so important to the story. I think it's gonna be on the screen as well. So go back to Mark chapter 14, verse 29. Again, this is so important, operative to this entire narrative here. Verse 29, Peter said to him, Peter said to Jesus, even though they all fall away. What was Peter doing? He was talking about the other disciples. He was throwing them under the bus or under the boat, if you will. I, I, even if they all fall away, I will not fall away. I will not do this. And Jesus said to Peter, truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster even crows twice, you will deny me three times. I love verse 31, here's the loud mouth. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. He overcommitted and underdelivered. He was emphatic in his denying that he would deny Jesus. That's what makes this story so memorable. That's what makes this story so dramatic. It's not his denial under pressure, 
but it's the absolute collapse from all these bold, proud, audacious declarations that he had made to Jesus a few hours earlier. I will never do this. This is what I am able to do. And then we see it compared to what he actually does. I mean, Highland, how does this happen? Peter is a believer, a disciple, a man of faith, a future church planter, a future apostle. What leads to his failure? And the answer to that, I think, is important enough that you may want to write these things down. Let's just put it this way. What went wrong? What went wrong? Firstly, he boasted too much. Self-confidence. Confidence, if you will, in himself. I'm strong. I'm the man. I can do anything. Jesus, I'll go with you anywhere. Too much confidence in his own strength. Too much confidence in his own words. Too much confidence in his own gifts. Too much confidence in his own personality. Too much confidence in his flesh. He wrote checks with his mouth that his weak flesh couldn't cash. He was a loud mouth. Secondly, he listened too little. So boasted too much, listened too little. Jesus had already told Peter, you remember this earlier in the gospels, he, he, he had told Peter, you need to, we need to watch out. Satan is about to sift you like wheat. And then of course he told Peter earlier, you're gonna deny me three times. But Peter did not listen to those warnings. He did not take the word of the Lord seriously. He ignored, listen, he ignored the word of Christ. And Christian, that is a dangerous thing to do. To push aside God's word, to push aside the word of Jesus. He rejected the admonitions and he rejected the cautions of Christ. He boasted too much. He listened too little. Thirdly, he prayed too lazily. I'm not even sure that's a word, but it's the word I'm choosing to use for today, lazily. Like he prayed with a lazy attitude. He, this was Peter who slept through the prayer meeting. Remember, go, go back just a few verses. Go back to Mark chapter 14. Pick it up here, verse 37 with me. Mark chapter 14, verse, verse 37 you probably will remember this once I start to read it. And he, meaning Jesus, came and found them, meaning the disciples sleeping. And he, and I love that Jesus did this, he only said this to Peter, right? All the disciples were sound asleep during the prayer meeting. When Jesus said, would you please stay awake and pray for me while I'm here in the garden, sweating drops of blood, asking the Father to allow this cup to pass from me. Disciples, my friends, my closest friends, would you pray just one hour? And he said to Peter, Simon, which is also his name, Simon Peter, are you asleep? Could you not pray and watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus has already told Peter how to, how to pray. It taught him to pray in this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But Peter should have been awake and praying. Instead, he is sleeping. He omitted this spiritual discipline. He, he slept instead of drawing on the divine power of God and that reliance in his own flesh just dragged him into this pit of denying Jesus. He boasted too much. He listened too little. He prayed too, if you will, lazily. Fourthly, he acted too quickly. He acted on his own, in his own will, not considering the Lord's will. Earlier, he had grabbed a sword there in the garden. Look at Mark chapter 14, go back up to verse 47. Mark chapter 14, verse 47, you probably know this as well. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his 
ear. Now, Mark right here was nice not to name names, but John tells us who it is. And, and no surprise at all, it's Peter. Peter was driven by his own fleshly impulses. He, he acted too quickly. He reacted too quickly. He wanted to make a hero out of himself. He wanted to increase his reputation. He wanted to affirm his self-confidence. Fifthly, this is where we get the title of our sermon series. He talked too excessively. And this is just one more example of his pride. You know, Peter was the unofficial spokesman for the disciples. There's never a time in the, in the gospels the disciples said, hey, Peter, we, we trust everything you say. Why don't you just speak on our behalf? In fact, in my mind's eye, I think every time Peter stood up and started talking, that the eyes of the 11 other disciples just started rolling in the back of their head going, there he goes again. Like, can we at least confer about this before you jump out there and start, start talking? Can we huddle first before you just give our answer? In fact, no surprise again to any of you in this room, there are more words recorded from Peter in the Gospels than any other disciple. He just talks excessively. He boasted too much. He listened too little. He prayed too lazily. He acted too quickly. He talked too excessively. Again, he, he was a loudmouth. And this only makes sense. When you talk too much, that means you're not listening enough. Sixthly, lastly, I think this is the key. He followed too distantly. I think Peter would have been better off if he would just walked across that courtyard, walked illegally into Caiaphas's house and just stood right next to Jesus. In fact, if you're looking for a really pragmatic word this morning, here it is. You never go wrong when you stand next to Jesus. Peter should have just walked right past the courtyard and stood right next to his Lord. It's always the safest place to be, but he followed far off, which means he was curious, but not courageous. And if that's not a description of cultural Christians in America today, I don't know what is curious about this spiritual thing you're talking about. I'm kind of curious about Jesus. I'll show up to church every now and then. But I'm not going to courageously stand next to him all the time. I'm not going to deny myself and take up a cross. And this is what's happening with, with, with Peter. He followed too distantly. He says, you catch this early, he sat with the men at the fire wanting to blend in so that no one would know who he was. And that was his desire to blend in. That was his compromise. He followed too distantly from Jesus. Well, let me just flip those six things around you see on the screen. The practical implication of the story is so important. It's the opposite of those six things is how you and I can live life. Well, we can boast in Christ instead of ourselves. We should boast in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But we want to learn to listen deeply to Jesus and to Jesus' followers who are bearing fruit. We can pray diligently. We should pray diligently and with discipline. We really should consider and think before we act. We often probably need to tell our mouths to just close and turn off for a while. And lastly, we want to because we can follow closely to Jesus without compromise. You know, we might understand this story more if this was Judas doing this. This story actually might make more sense if it was Judas, because Judas from the start was a devil, but this is Peter. And he's a believer and he has faith and his faith will not fail. And this is so important for you to hold on to today. Peter's confession failed. 
His courage failed, his words failed, but his faith did not fail because of what happens in verse 72. Peter, I hope your Bible's open. Peter remembered how Jesus had told him. Peter remembered, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And here, this is the crux of the story. We, we read through this too quickly. And he broke down and wept after he remembered. It's a great lesson for us. Not to be overconfident in our flesh, but to understand the weakness of our flesh, understand the weakness of our, of our, of our self-reliances. So when we fail, what do we do? We grieve like Peter. Peter broke down and he wept. And this is not the normal word used for crying or weeping in the New Testament. This is a, a rarely used word in Greek. It's klio, and it means to wail out bitterly. This is so good, Highland, hear this. He sinned publicly, so he wept publicly. He denied out loud, so he wept out loud. Here's where I wanna land this. If you wanna write this down somewhere, just remember this. Our usefulness to God is so often tied to our brokenness before God. Our usefulness to the king and in the kingdom is so often tied to our brokenness before the king. Brokenness might just be the key to usefulness. It's kind of hard to believe that seven and a half weeks after this incident that we just read about, Peter stands up in Jerusalem and preaches the gospel and 3,000 people are saved and are baptized. But you see, Peter was broken completely before God used him powerfully. Perhaps today would be a good day to weep over our words. To weep over our self-sufficiency. Maybe today would be a good day to be broken over our self-centeredness, over our poor decisions, over our sin. Maybe today would be a good day to weep over our gossip, adultery, secret sin compulsions. These next few moments might be a good time for some to, to weep before the Lord and to be broken and to bow before a king who forgives completely and immediately but then uses our brokenness for his glory. You probably know the, the rest of the story. You may remember, if not, this is the greatest part of the story to me. After Jesus is tried, crucified, and rises again on the third day. He comes to Peter, who is on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, by a fire. Oh, don't miss that, by a fire. In fact, the word fire used in the restoration of Peter in John chapter 21, and the word fire right here, it's not the word fire, it's the word coals. And it's used twice in the entire New Testament. Once at the story we just read in Mark 14, the second time when Peter was by the coals on the sea, the shore of Galilee, and Jesus comes up to him and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times to match the three denials. Jesus does not come to Peter and say, 
do better, bro. Like, can you be better than this? He didn't come to Peter and, and, and say, I am so embarrassed what you did. I am so ashamed. I cannot believe I'd be willing to go to a cross for you and you would even tell a servant girl that you knew me. Relationally, Jesus says, do you love me? And it's the same question that Jesus would ask of all of us here today. Do you love me? Would you stand, please, for us to pray together? Father, in a, in a room filled with loud mouths, it is good to hear this story again. To be reminded of how quickly we rely on ourselves, we find confidence in our skills, we're, we're proud of our personality. We think we're strong. We make audacious declarations. And then, even though our spirit is willing, God, our flesh is so weak. We, we fail, we falter, we deny, we justify our sin. We keep leaning on ourselves instead of leaning on your grace. And Father, I think one of the reasons we, we enjoy reading about Peter is because we just see ourselves so many times in this story. We, we, we talk so much, we boast so much, we listen so little, we, we act and react and respond so quickly. We, we, we pray, but not, without, but not with diligence. We, we pray in a, in a lazy manner. We omit that spiritual discipline when life gets busy. God, maybe for many of us here today, we just need to weep over words that we have said. We need to weep over sin, be broken over our self-centeredness, our self-sufficiencies, our arrogance, our pride. Because in that brokenness, you can use us. And we're broken when we remember what you have said to us, that we're yours and we can be forgiven, that your grace is sufficient for all of our sins, your grace which is greater than all of our past. So Father, I pray today you would take us, if we need to be, to a place of just being broken over our self-sufficiencies. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. This next song that we're about to sing is a song of desperation, so I would encourage you to sing it desperately. Maybe you don't want to leave your seat and just come and kneel before the Lord. Maybe come and weep before him. Come and be broken. Knowing that brokenness so often is the key to usefulness. I have some staff here at the front if you want to pray with them or share with them things happening in your life. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to hear about what's, how they can support you in prayer. Or again, you can walk right past them and just come and kneel remembering the grace of Jesus, remembering his words to you. And maybe come and just be broken as you kneel before the Lord, your God, your maker. Let's sing. Won't you please come?